uh, all of those. Uh, have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of First Kings, if you would. Let's all stand as we... Uh, <clears throat> As we um, read this story about Elijah, and um, this message I have today is um, title of it is "Faithful Elijah," and it's a message that's probably going to cover uh, at least this Sunday morning and this Sunday afternoon, and next Sunday morning and next Sunday afternoon. Because um, you, as you read this, you'll, you'll understand why. Because we, as we read this, God had, a jo- God had a task that he wanted Elijah to do. But God also knew that he had to prepare Elijah for that task. And this is what this message is about this morning and this afternoon. It's God's preparation for Elijah, when he get when he has a task in the future for him to do, he's making him ready for it now. And God does, God works in such mysterious ways. I mean, he he even put Elijah down to where he was starving to death, and and he put him in a position to where that he had to depend on certain things to keep him going because uh, God had some God wanted to. Strengthen him because he had something that he wanted him to do. Now, you're not going to find out what that something is until next Sunday uh, morning or next Sunday, probably next Sunday afternoon. You, you, but you begin to find out what that, what that is that God would have Elijah to do, what he's prepared him for. So we'll, 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 we'll get to preparation today and talking about it. Okay, in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, he says, and, El- and, and Elijah, the Tisbite, who was of the inhabitants of, of Gilead, said, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelled by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh, in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and, and, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, uh, which belongeth to Zidon, uh, Zidon. And dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow, widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, 
a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, a, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a, only a, but a hand, but an, only a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. That's her last meal. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And now the barrel of meal wasted not, I'm sorry, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of, of, of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no uh, breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into the loft where he abode and laid up him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down uh, out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it. We thank you for the time we have together. Lord, we just pray as we get into this message this morning, Lord, that we'll begin to understand more and more what God was preparing Elijah for. And Lord, we just pray we will see God's way of doing it. We'll see how God does things, and then we'll compare them to how we do things. And Lord, I just pray that you bless us, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Faithful Elijah. Uh, you know, as, as I said at the beginning, you know, Elijah was a man that uh, had a lot of doubts in his life. He, he got scared to death of 
that uh, harlot Jezebel, when she declared that she was going to have him killed, he got he got very depressed over that, and and and, and, and in a sense, in a way, he he got he got so depressed over that that he just wanted to die, and so um, so but what God used to strengthen him and to get him ready for for the task that God had for him to do right now Elijah was not ready to do that just like a lot of us God knows when we're ready to do something and we're ready when we're ready not to do anything that's the reason sometimes God will not put tasks upon us uh that we cannot uh do because of the fact is God knows we're not ready to do them. He knows we're not we're not in the shape to do them, and and this is something that uh, uh, we'll see th- uh, throughout this message. Now we have to realize every one of us, if you're here and saved today, we walk by faith and not by sight. Just remember this: we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't, we don't walk by the things we see, but we walk by faith of the things we don't see. You know, it, it's easy to know, as uh, one person told me some time back, they said, uh, I don't have any money right now, but said, uh, payday's coming, says, I'll have some money. I said, how do you know payday's coming? He said, oh, I know it comes every, it comes every time. It's supposed to come. And I said, uh, how do you know you're even going to be alive when payday comes? He said, oh, I am, because he said, I'm looking forward to it. You know, if payday hadn't come, that, that guy would have gone crazy. He, he, he would have gone crazy. You know, we, we don't walk by sight today. We walk by faith. You know, sometimes, sometimes God will have us do things that we just vow, declare in our hearts, we just can't do it because we're just not able to do it. We're not, we're not able to do what, what it is that God wants us to do. And sometimes we do that. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Now God told Elijah that he wanted him to go and sit by the brook Cherith. Now Elijah was depressed. He didn't know where his next meal was coming from. He he didn't know where anything, you have to read this whole thing about Elijah and when he met Ahab and, 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 and all those, all those and, and Jezebel. And he was very depressed and he did not know uh, what he was going to do. God said, Elijah, I want you to go and I want you to sit by the brook Cherith. Now, what good would that do? Well, God's going to show him. He did as the Lord commanded him. See, that's the faithfulness of Elijah. He did what God commanded him to do. You know, the problem we have today is we don't have enough faith to do what God would have us do. And God knows we don't have the faith to do it. He knows we don't have the faith to step out when, when, when maybe we feel like we shouldn't step out. You know, the Bible says, and I've said this many times over the years, the Bible says that you never see 
the righteous begging bread. In other words, the righteous will never go hungry as far as God is concerned. Now, we may feel like there are times I, I grew up in the, in the coal mining country of Kentucky in that area up through there. And, uh, and there were times when we didn't have food in the house. There were times my, my dad and mom were not Christian people. And, and they, 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 they were just people that just didn't know the Lord. And, and, um, there'd be times when we didn't have anything to eat. Uh, uh, and just to give you some idea, I don't, have, I don't know how many of you ever ate mush. You know what mush is. I said that one time and Tony Vance spoke to me and he said, you know, most of those people don't know what mush is. I said, no, they don't. Tony Vance knew what mush was because he had to live off of it. You know what corn mush is? Corn mush is when you go out and take the corn shucks, you boil them down, and you make a uh, something like a, a grit-type thing out of them. And uh, that's corn mush. We used to eat it in the morning for breakfast. We used to eat it in, a, in, in the noonday, and we used to eat it at night. Mom would fix one big skillet of mush, and that's what we ate on. It's what we ate on, four, four kids and, and, and a mom and a daddy. That's what we ate on. Well, if we didn't have mush, mom would have a big, uh, uh, thing of, she'd have a, maybe a 25 pound bag of, of pinto beans. And where I come from, they call them soup beans. And she would cook a pot of pinto beans and she'd cook them. She'd get up four o'clock in the morning. And she'd cook that pot of pinto beans. That's what we ate for breakfast. That's what we ate for dinner. And that's what we ate for supper. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't get to eat the finer things. We didn't have the finer things of life. And that's what we ate. As a matter of fact, me and my brother got in one of the worst fights ever was over a bowl of soup beans. Now that, that's, that's how it was. Me and my, my brother had brought two boys in with him after school. And when I got out, when I got out of school, I went in and I went in to get my bowl of soup beans that I was, last bowl I was going to have for that day. They were all gone. And I asked my brother, I said, uh, did you and these Walson boys eat all the, all the soup beans? And he said, yeah, when they started laughing. Of course, when they did, I went in on him. I mean, I went in on him. He went and grabbed a knife out of the drawer, and he come at me and swung that knife at me. I throwed my up like that, and I got a scar right there where he cut me across my arm over a bowl, a bowl of soup beans. Now Elijah didn't know where Elijah didn't know where his next meal was going to come from, and God knows he didn't know why he was supposed to go and sit down at the brook Shechereth. He did as the Lord commanded him. Elijah spent about one year, one year, drinking and being fed by the brook Cherith, and it dried up. Spent one whole year. He spent one whole year sitting beside that brook, and he would drink the water in that brook, and he would wait on the ravens to come and bring him food. Well, I don't know what a raven brought him. 
but the ravens brought him food, whatever it was. They brought it to him. And he sat there and he ate the food that they brought him, and he drank the water of the brook. Well, the brook dried up. The drought was terrible in those days, terrible in those days. And the brook dried up. And he was wondering from then, well, now, it's dried up. Now what? How am I going to eat? The ravens quit bringing the food. What's going to happen to me? Well, after one year, it dried up. He had he had all the hopes in the world in that brook. But that brook dried up. It, it was at the dry brook that the Lord gave him further marching orders. It was when the Lord appeared to him again by him sitting by a dried brook with no, no ravens come with food, and he gave him his next marching orders for what he wanted him to do. He told him to get to a place called Zarephath, a place where a widow woman lived, and she would take care of him. Now, how did all that happen? We just read it to you. Elijah went exactly where God told him to go. And when he reached the gate of Zarephath, this woman was waiting on him. He didn't know this was a woman. He had no idea this was a woman. He just knew that woman was waiting there at the gate. And so he asked her for a drink of water. And she, she went, she went to get him a drink of water. As, as, as a, as I read this passage, I hope that all you saw that Elijah was not the only faithful one, but there was a faithful widow woman also. God, God will, God won't take you to unfaithful people. He'll take you to faithful people. Do you understand that? You know, you say, well, I've never been in that position. That's your problem. That's your problem today. You've never been in that position. That's a problem with me today. I've never been in that position. And, and, and that's a problem with us today. That's why faith don't mean much to us because we've never been in that position. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get in that position until God sees fit to put you in that position. You might, you might cry all day long, Lord, make me, make me like that. Make me, make me like Brother Paul was when he grew up. We didn't have anything to eat in the house. He's not going to do it until the Lord puts you there. If you get in that position, the Lord is going to put, He's the one that's going to put you there. Ah, oh, people will argue with you over that. No, the Lord wouldn't do anybody like that. But He did. He did Elijah like that. And, and let me show you what He did with this, this poor, uh, uh, Zidonian woman. That is what He did for her. Listen, folks, if you're doing what the Lord leads you to, to do, then God has everything in place to take care of you. You'll say, well, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. God knows. He's got it. He's got it all laid out for you. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm going to take off and go. No, God's got it all laid out for you. What he wants you to do. The thing that he wants you to do, he's got it all laid out for you. Right now, a, a man who was, uh, who was to face the test of Mount Carmel had to be a man who was approved of God. He had to be a man who was approved of God. You take, uh, uh, can't, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Kings 18th verse chapter. Look at verse 17, what it says here. 
And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Ahab was the king, and he he told Elijah, he said, You're you're the man, you're the man that uh, uh, that's been troubling Israel. Aren't you the trouble of Israel? Only reason, only reason he troubled Israel, he just told them the truth. But Ahab said, you're that man. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandment of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Well, you're going to learn next week that it led up to this conversation he had with Abraham led to what God wanted him to do what God was preparing him to do. It, it took a while. It took, some say it took as many as four or five years. But God, but, but God, you know, Elijah said, what am I doing here talking to the king? Well, why, why am I here talking to the king? The king's already disparaged me and called me a troubler. Then why am I talking to the king? Well, God, God made him strong enough to stand up and talk to the king, which he probably normally would would never have done. Now let's get back to the time when Elijah was very secure and comfortable at the brook Sherith. He was being fed and plenty of water to drink, but the brook dried up. Elijah became very uncomfortable all of a sudden. All of a sudden he very uncomfortable. You know, those things come up on us in a hurry. I remember a man one time that some of you, I'm not going to call his name, but I'm sure that some in here know him. But he used to drink coffee with us. And uh, he started complaining about his stomach hurting. He said, oh, it must just be indigestion or something like that. And... I know that uh, some of you in here know who I'm talking about. And he, he told us, he said, well, I was just indigestion. Well, he went to the doctor when it got so bad, he, he could no longer stand it. He had pancreatic cancer. And he died from it. All of a sudden, just all of a sudden, everybody would have thought this man ran every day. This man ran every day. He ran every day. He run, he run, run every day. He was in, he was in tip top shape when he came physically. But all of a sudden, this came up on him. And he and I were fishing together. And he looked at me and he said, Paul, he said, What's wrong with me? He said, I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, there's something wrong with me. That's before he diagnosed him. And I told him, I said, I don't know. I said, I said, only God can show you what's wrong with you. But anyway, Elijah got himself in this same condition. All of a sudden, he had nothing. All of a sudden, he had nothing. Did you ever give it a thought that God may have dried your brook up on purpose? Did you ever give that a thought that maybe when what your your aspirations in life might be that you don't get to do them because 
God may have dried your brook up on purpose. He may not want you to do these things. And he's going to dry your brook up on purpose. Some of you, some of you have, have not, are not sitting at a dried up brook yet. But you may be in the future. You better be careful. Because all of a sudden, these things may happen. All of a sudden, they may happen. Do you ever give it a thought that God may have dried your brook up on purpose? I have learned that God in his providential care for his own will close one door, but what does he do? When he closes one door, he'll open another one. That's something. That's something to realize that, yeah, God, I want to go through this door. God said, no, that door's closed. But then God will open another door, and he'll beckon you to go through that door, and you go, and God has blessings that innumerable. Just, you, you can't number them. He has blessings for you. He'll open another one. Unless he's finished with you. If God is finished with you, he'll shut that door and never open another one for you. If he's finished with you. My spirit will not always strive with man, he said. Not always strive with man. You know, God's not going to sit and beg you do this, beg you do that. That's just like somebody said one time, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Well, when you, if you make it to heaven, and if you can look up old Jonah, you ask him, Jonah, if you hadn't have gone to Nineveh, would God have sent somebody else? You know what Jonah's going to say? No, he's not. If God wants you to do something, you're going to do it. You might say, well, I, I, I don't, I, it's, it's just, that's just out of my, that's out of my kilter zone. But you're going to do it if God's telling you to do something, you're going to do it. And he's going to make you to where you can do it and you can do it. You're going to sit and say, I can't, I just can't, God, I can't do it. We say here, what about the brook of generous prosperity? You think that brook will ever dry up? There's some of you don't worry about your bills. You got money to pay them. There's some of you don't worry about your where you going to get something to eat. You just go to Walmart. I don't know how many of you realized it, but Groceries that used to cost $50 now cost 150 at Walmart. What's going to happen when you may get someday when you can't spend that kind of money on groceries? That's why they say today, well, if you retire, you got to have a million dollars. I saw an article somewhere where somebody put an article out and they said, you can retire on $100,000. But they never said, well, you can retire on nothing. Well, I'm going to tell you, God telling you, 
you can retire on nothing. You can retire on nothing. What about the brook of self-confidence? Elijah didn't say, Lord, I can do this on my own. But that a lot of times we say that. We've got so much confidence in ourselves. Preacher, we don't need you anymore. And it's coming to that. I've said this many times. People don't need a pastor anymore because they don't confide in him in anything. You ever come to that day when you have need of nothing? But yet you will come a day when you will have need of something? I'm going to tell you folks, and I'm going to say this again. A lot of people don't like this, but when the death dews on your vow, your brow and the death rattles in your throat, you're going to need something. The person sitting there with you can't help you. Like the preacher said one time that he was called in from a revival and and found out his little nine-year-old daughter was dying. He was preaching revival in Arkansas. This is a true story. He was preaching revival in Arkansas. And he got word that his little nine-year-old daughter was at the point of death. And he rushed home. He rushed from Arkansas back to Kentucky. That's where he was from. He got in the room just as his little daughter was whispering. And when she saw her daddy, she raised her little hand and like this. And her daddy went over there and she was trying to tell him something. He put his ear down to her mouth. He put his ear down there and he said, Honey, what do you want? She said, Daddy, help me. Daddy, help me. He said, I could do nothing for her. But he said, I got to thinking about one thing. When Jesus, the Son of God, was out there on Golgotha's hill, he was hanging there on that tree. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what the difference is, he said? He said, the difference is, he said, God could have helped his son, but he wouldn't. But he said, I couldn't help my daughter. Oh, Lord knows how much I wanted to, but I couldn't help her at all. Let me tell you, folks, when that time comes in your life, you're going to need somebody. You're going to need something, you know, because your brook's already dried up. You know, your brook's dried up. I don't know how old some of you are, but I, I think I'm probably the oldest person in here. My brook's going to dry up someday. And I'm going to need help. Rhonda can't do anything for me. No, no, None of you can do anything for me. My brook's going to dry up. Someday, my self-confidence is going to be gone away, completely gone away. I can't do anything about myself anymore. The doctor's already said I can't do any more for him. It was when the brook dried up 
Because when the brook dried up, that God said, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. God told him, give him more commandments. Get out, get out here and go. Go, go to Zephyrath. In, in verse 9 of our text. When the brook became silent, then God spoke. When the mountains of our boasting depart and the hills of our hopes are removed, we must remember God is still with us. And he will never leave us to make our own decisions and sometimes at the beck of others as to what we should do. But he will visit us in one way or another. Oh, I got somebody out there to help me. I know they'll help me. You know, somebody got a speeding ticket here not too long ago. They went to the sheriff to get them to do something about it. You know, but there's no help. There's no help there. God, why, why, God, you want me to go to Zarephath? There's, why, why you want me to go there for, Lord? There's no help there either. That's, 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 that's the, the, Zidon. Zidon was a very, was known to be a very poor place. Most of the people at Zidon were poor people. Very poor people. And he knew, he said, why you want me to go there? Those are poor people. Send, send me, Lord, to some rich people. Send me to some people that can take care of me. It was Isaiah who said, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. God have mercy on on us. Isaiah 54 and verse 10. Listen, folks. God's judgment is just. It is fair. It is moral. Listen, if your judgment is not just, if your judgment is not fair, if your judgment is not moral, then you've got, you made the wrong judgment for your very life. God's judgment is just. It is fair and it's moral. Our own judgment is just the opposite, unjustified, unfair, and very immoral. Men will do anything to get a bite to eat. They'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal, they'll do anything when they get hungry. Well, that's immoral. Their judgment is, well, I'll just go rob somebody and get some money. That's bad judgment. Or they'll, or they'll say, they'll say that, uh, uh, I don't care what's fair to anybody. I don't care if that man has only got a dollar. I want that dollar. Well, I want something to eat. Sometimes our judgment's not that way. Sometimes we'll go to great means, lie, cheat, steal, do anything. 
to make, see our way through. For we do it according to our own motives, not according to what God would have. In other words, what is good for me? What's good for me? You, you say that today, what's good for me? Do you know what Zarephath means? It means a smelting place. What is a smelting place? It's a place where the heat to melt metal is so great that one cannot stand it very long. It's a place of trials. That's why God sent him there. It's a place where more heat will come upon him, more heat that it's going to take for him to do the task that God has set out for him to do. More heat. If Elijah was to do what the Lord had for him to do, then he must first pass through the refining furnace. Just remember, all who will not live godly must at God's time suffer the persecution of chastisement. Sometimes God will bring chastisement up on you that you won't, you won't be able to stand it. And let me tell you folks, most chastisement that I study in the Bible had to do with death. Death. Oh no, not what some people think. It's chastisement. That's not chastisement. Your car breaks down. You got the money in the bank to pay to get it fixed. You get it fixed. That's not chastisement. Chastisement is when there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. If God sees fit to take a child because of the sins of the daddy or the mama, there's nothing you can do about it. You'll say, well, does that happen? Yeah, I know it happened. It happened one time. Sure did. I'm not going to tell the story. I've told it four or five times here about Caroline. Grandmother and grandfather kept using Caroline for an excuse not to be at church. And one morning they called me up and she said, I won't be at church. We won't be at church this Sunday. I said, why? She said, Caroline died. Last night in her sleep. They've been using Caroline not to come to church for years. Caroline's too sick today. We have to keep her home. She's not able to come. She's not able to do this, not able to do that. Well, this one time, Caroline really was sick. Caroline died. Let me tell you, folks, better be careful. Better be careful what you're doing. Just remember, all who will not live godly must suffer the persecution of chastisement. In the beginning, the Lord's church was baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So she could do the work that the Lord had for her to do. Why do you think the Lord sent the fire upon the first church at Pentecost? 
Why, why, why do you think that the Lord sent the baptism of fire upon the church there at Pentecost? So she would do, she had a task that she had to do that she couldn't have done without it. Any of you take notice of the last verse of that first song we sang a while ago? You remember the last verse of that song? Till we meet again? It says when we separate this place, we'll go in love until we come together again. That's talking about the church. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about the church. When the church breaks up, then the church will be called together again. Till we meet again. God made sure Elijah would be taken care of at the place of trial. Jehovah God tells Elijah, I have commanded a widow to sustain thee. You're going to find out something here now. In just a moment, I'm, I'm going to get that far, and I'm going, to, I'm going to stop, pick up the rest of it this afternoon. God commanded this widow. I know Elijah, like a lot of us, would question how could a widow woman supply enough to keep one up for one knows only God knows how long. This was a poor woman. She was a, 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 a Zidian, they called him, Zidian. She was a poor woman. All of them were poor. All of them was a poor city. All of them were poor in that city. How, how is this poor woman going to keep a man up, her son, her son and a man up for no telling how long? Well, look at this. Look at this. As I said, like most of us, we would uh, probably say the same thing Elijah was saying. If he did remember the ravens and how God used them to take care of him, he surely would believe that God could fit the widow woman to take care of him also. See, God has strengthened him. God's making him stronger. Elijah remembered, I was sitting there, I was starving to death, I was dying of the thirst. God put me beside the brook of, of, of Cherith to sit there, and the ravens came and fed me. You think you'd ever forget about that? Well, let me tell you something, folks. People can forget just like that. When God's blessings come to them, they can forget it in a day. But surely Elijah did not forget that. And I'm going to show you why I know that. He didn't forget that. He didn't forget it. God used them to take care of him. He surely would believe that God could fit this widow woman to take care of him also. How the message came to this poor widow woman, we don't know. She was a Zidonian and most of them, as I said, were very poor people. Could this Zidonian woman have prayed God to help her? 
You know, this woman, this woman and her son, now listen to this. You ready, if you listen to the story, as we read it to you, this woman and her son had planned on eating their last meal and then dying. They had nothing else to eat. No hope of anything else to eat. No hope of anything else to eat. And she, she, she'd done determined that when her, her and her son ate this last meal, they were just going to sit down and die. They had one more meal. That's all they had to go. <clears throat> Listen, folks. God works in mysterious ways. This is what Cornelius did. He was praying. He was a praying man. He prayed that God would help him. God led this Gentile man to teach Peter a lesson. In salvation. And in the end, this man was saved. Now this afternoon, we're going to talk about how God always sends us a test of circumstances. Let's all stand if you would. Let's be dismissed in prayer and I'm going to let you go to lunch. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day.